Was the only tag we have USA? We have the USA tag. We have the <laughs> USA tag. I'm Our looking at it. It says talk shows and podcast USA. Representatives of America, dude. America? Speaking of which, you better tell our... You want to text our Italian friend and tell him what the podcast is so we can see this live? What, Mario? Yeah, Mario. Wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to tell him you called him Mario. But uh, let me just say, first of all, welcome back. Welcome to May. I can't believe it's freaking May already. This is, is crazy. May. May 2022. I feel like it's, it's going to be September just next week. It's crazy. The whole summer is going to be gone. Uh, welcome back to The Forecast, a bi-weekly podcast produced on Thursdays. This is episode 150, a.k.a. known as, uh, I just said a.k.a. known as. That was, that was, that's not how that works. Uh, this podcast is going to be called the Cinco de Mayo episode because, of course, it is the 5th of May. Uh, the Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast uh, streamed on Thursdays and released on YouTube and podcast on Fridays. We are a community of people that are exploring and discussing all kinds of things from video games and board games to film and TV to our everyday life experiences. If you'd like to know more about what we do, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash the horizon FB, or you can come hang out in our Discord channel, or you can check out our website, wethehorizon.com. We have a ton of original content for you to browse through. Additionally, everything we talk about is pushed out to our podcasting notes, which is, wait, that's not how I say that. It's pushed out to our podcast, whatever podcasting app you're using. I am Aaron, joined by a couple additional peeps this week. Caleb. Hey, that's me. Jake. Hey, what's up? Alex. You're really struggling this week, dude. I, yeah. Hey, listen, we'll get to it. Owen. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Let's talk about why we're struggling this week, Alex, <laughs> shall we? Shall we? What'd you do to him? Nothing. It's, I didn't do it's anything, not, though. It's really not his fault. It's uh, Federico's fault, actually, because... We were talking to him earlier, and he said, you guys are going to have to celebrate for Cinco de Mayo. And so, <clears throat> has everybody brought their Cinco de Mayo drink with them for tonight's podcast? Oh. You, you guys don't have your Cinco de Mayo drink? I just I Alex, did it uh, right before we got here. Go ahead and blind, bring up man. our Cinco de Mayo one. drink that oh my uh, God. Betty has provided us. <laughs> wow. Mm. Nice. Wow. The moment I take two more sips of this, it's going to fall right off of my desk, for sure. Okay. But the listeners barely... at home, it looks like a, a lamb skull, full of, <laughs> just full of blood and guts. It's revolting. It's, it's so gory. <laughs> just absolutely awful. Great description. What do you call this? Mm -hmm. You call it a, uh, uh, a Corona Rita. Yeah. Right? Corona Rita. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's a margarita. Very it's got an upturned Corona in it. Well, yes. He was very particular, you need, too. Because... You need some extra family in it. Family. That's true. I was going to say in honor of the virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You always need a little corona. Because when you're infected, you're fam. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> it all comes back together. <laughs> all coming back around. All right. Uh, right off the top, we should probably just mention, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago in our, in our pre-Paxi Second Cinco podcast. de Mayo drink. Oh my gosh, that's right. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Second Cinco de Mayo drink right here. Like other other margarita. on that one. Oh my god. 
Yeah, yeah. So by the end of this cast, it's going to be, I mean, this, this cast is where we pop old. off, guys. Yeah. Aaron made margaritas <laughs> right before Fetty said that he made us margaritas. So, mm-hmm. yes. 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 Double Fetty margaritas. Blame it on Fetty, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so top of the order. Let's talk about real quick Extra Life United. Last uh, pa- last podcast, we talked a little bit about this, but the final numbers were not yet published. We participated in, a couple weeks ago, a tournament to raise money for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals called Extra Life United. A group of us uh, participated. There were six of us in total. Chad, who's not here, um, played various games. We played some Halo. We played some Mario Kart. We played some uh, Pokemon Unite, and we played some Fall Guys. Uh, it was fun. We got dominated, but it was still fun. Uh, and I think our total winnings ended up being somewhere in the neighborhood of like 2200 I won $325 for Halo. We had um, uh, Fall Guys. Chad won 600 bucks, And then, of course, we played some Pokemon Unite, and we won. What did we win in that one? Let's see. Oh, you have, to do the, you have to do the actual math here because each person mm-hmm. got paid $240. So, yeah, five of us, yay. 240 each. Very excited about that. I think our page for Extra Life is already live, so if you're interested in donating towards Extra Life, we'll be doing a 24-hour stream later on in the year, which is just a really good time for us. We have a blast, and uh, we raised a lot of money last year, hoping to raise basically the same, if not more, this year. Very excited about that. Um, Anyway, check that out. We'll have a a link to the page so you can go uh, find it there, and if you want to donate, donate. Otherwise, thanks for hanging out. Uh, Let's move on to what have you been playing lately? And Jake... We're going to start with We're you right start off the top. With me? Yeah, that oh, way man. I can so finish this margarita. Jake. <laughs> oh, excellent. That's smart. Tactical. Smart. Uh, so the new version of the Stanley Parable came out, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Uh, so I got that, and I played, I think, pretty much all of it. And, um, I mean, I really liked it. I love the Stanley Parable, and this is just more of that. Uh, it's really good. There's a bunch of new endings, a bunch of cool new shit. There's a bucket. So what's, no, what's <laughs> not to love? Ten out of ten. <laughs> bucket. Can you wear the bucket on your head? Like, how, like the bucket. You can't, how much you, new you stuff can... is there really, like compared to the base game? Um, I would say it's probably bigger than the base game. Yeah, really? it, it's about the the size of the base game, and then a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so not wanna, not like a ton wanna... new. I mean, it's it's a short game. Yeah, uh, sure. But I, I think quality over quantity definitely holds true in this case. Uh, I had an achievement for waiting 10 years between playing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there was one in the first game that was wait five years. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, they just one up themselves here. I was actually going to ask if by launching this game, you would get the achievement in the old game for waiting five years to play Stanley Parable again, but... Sadly, no. So. That's too bad. That would have been good. That would have been good. It would have been, been quality. Yeah. But good game overall. Yeah, no, I, I really, really liked it. I mean, obviously, if you're not into the Stanley Parable, this isn't going to change your mind. Uh, but it's it's really fun. A lot of new content. There's a bucket. Bucket. <laughs> That's what does yeah, it. The bucket right? must it's, be good, huh? Uh, dude, it is... The bucket was pretty it solid. It is a plot-important bucket. It's critical. <laughs> it is, so honestly, a very important bucket. All right, let's move on to Alex. What have you been playing lately? Sure, um... Basically, just Rogue Legacy Two. Uh, finally came out in uh, 1.0 out of early access, and I hadn't played any of it. I, ne- I never picked it up in early access. I just decided to wait on it and picked it up this week. Played like 15 hours or something. Uh, it's really solid. It's um, a lot like the first game. 
you're doing runs upgrading your homestead area to make your subsequent runs better. Um, you have to give up all your gold when you start. The Charon, 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 Charon. Whatever you're saying, is. just keep trying. You're okay. Cherry on cherry, you cards. Know. Uh, gameplay is like yeah. incredibly tight and fluid, and it's very fun. Uh, there's a lot of neat surprises, uh, Metroidvania-ish upgrades that let you access new areas and stuff like that. They they actually have like a system in place that's I think really uh, smart because it's a roguelike, so you start over every time, but eventually you will unlock the ability to unlock teleporters permanently, and that means like even though it's a roguelike and you're starting over every time, you can still progress in the world and not have to redo the beginner areas every time. Yeah, it's like set up with a bunch of... There's this starting area, and then there's a bunch of biomes that kind of branch off of it. And you can teleport to the start of any one biome once you unlock the teleporter for that biome. Yeah. Does it do... Does it screw you over a little bit, though? Because I know pretty much any roguelike I've played that has a teleporter... It just means go straight to the part that's way too hard and die right away. Normally, you don't have any like gear. But in this case, it's not. So the way the upgrade system works in Rogue Legacy Two, you have a meter, I guess I don't know what to call it, called Resolve, which is just like a start with like two hundred percent or something. And each artifact you pick up that's like a permanent buff takes away some of that. And once that drops below a hundred, you start losing max health based on how. How much lower it is than 100 so you can only pick up so many permanent items so whether or not you get them in the easy area or the hard area you're still only going to get like four at a time and i feel like they don't like they make you feel a little bit more powerful in some instances some instances like quite a bit more powerful but that's kind of rare i feel like yeah uh they just kind of change some of the way you would approach a situation i think more than anything it doesn't have the normal roguelike thing where you're on a super good run and you keep stacking items that work really well together. It doesn't have any of that. Doesn't it's have just binding of Isaac feel where you no. don't no. you don't get chocolate milk and you're like, yes. Yeah. The only rogue elements are you start back over and you're upgrading like your home base, which upgrades your stats and stuff. So it's a it's a constant Yeah, you're slowly stats, really you're slowly gaining little bits of power over time. Yeah. to help you explore the world more. You almost and, I mean, have a random spike. It almost right. feels more like a Metroidvania than a roguelike. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Also, I played it a bunch, and I was like, man, this feels so much like the first Rogue Legacy. And then I went and I looked back at the first Rogue Legacy. They have done a lot, a lot of work <laughs> for Rogue Legacy 2. <laughs> it wow. feels the same when you're playing it, just a little bigger. And then you look back at the old one, and it's like, oh man, they did way more than I thought. They talk a lot about how much effort they put into getting zero frame inputs to make the gameplay feel so good. It does feel good. And like that actually has contributed to an issue that some players are getting, where if you're a person that uses your left stick by like flicking it most of the time, then a lot of times your character will end up facing the wrong direction. Because the inputs are so instantaneous that there's no buffer, so like when the the stick flicks back, it'll flick your character the wrong way. And they have 
a patch they're working on to try to figure out how to deal with that. They say hmm. they're working on a player intent system that they're going to put in the game to know whether the input should actually flip your character around or not. Jeez. Did you say player than, intent? Yeah, mm -hmm. like they're going to code like a Okay. Some sort of AI to understand your intent in the inputs. Sounds like a they're just going to get Google agency. Stadia to yes. run everything. Yeah. Well, they're, they're like, we could very easily solve it by adding like a small, like a very small buffer, and then like realizing if you're if it only goes for like one frame, then you're not trying to turn around. Mm. But that would ruin the integrity of our zero input <laughs> lag system. Like so. They didn't want to do that, which I kind of admire. I don't know. Seems like I had a lot of effort, but I guess, you know what? They're sticking to their guns. I take it. I'll take yeah. it. Overall, a super fun game. I, I keep on finding new things. Like, you unlock um, more and more stuff for, like, your starting area. You get, like, this little house that has, like, a bunch of challenges in it. And to unlock challenges, you have to go, like, find secrets in the world to unlock them. And then you can just, like, do them over and over again. Uh, quite tough. It, it's... It's a really hard game, actually. I'm getting destroyed. It took me like eight hours to beat the first boss. Not of like constantly fighting the first boss, but like getting a run that I could beat the first boss in. Hmm. Seems cool. It's got I, another I feel system. Like I need to play it. Yeah. yeah I think you'd really like good. it. It's got another system that actually works really well where you can lock the world. Mm. So. Every time you do a run, the world regenerates itself and it's like a different map. But I wasn't beating the boss, so I eventually got a run where the boss was like relatively close to the start. And I went to the guy to lock the world. And there's a trade-off of like, you give up like most of your gold in a run that the world's locked in. And it scales up exponentially to the point where like you're basically getting nothing from the run. But I used that to just repeatedly fight the boss over and over again and eventually i beat him so it's it's a really cool system for like overcoming specific challenges there's also like challenge rooms that have fairy chests in them that you could do the same thing with potentially uh cool. yeah uh caleb who on you what have you been playing so other than rogue legacy 2 i played this game recently called haiku the robot just came out. Uh, it's a little Metroidvania game. It took me like five and a half hours to beat. It is most of the time. It is basically a carbon copy of Hollow Knight, which is good and bad because Hollow Knight's amazing. But I don't know. I feel like it could use innovation in some areas. But it, like... it has almost like copy pasted enemies in places and weird. It's very like when they... very similar. When they do that, that it's like. It's not like in honor of how good and effective that game was. It's just taking that concept and just copy pasting because they feel like it will sell the game or promote the game. I don't know, really. I feel like it was just these people really, really liked Hollow Knight and really liked some of the different enemy types and stuff. And so they thought they'd pull them in. And it still kind of works in the world because it's, you know, it's a different theme, themed world. It's all about these mm. robots with a, infected with a virus. So you can already sell, tell the comparisons to Hollow Knight. But uh, it's about all these robots infected by a virus, and you're going through and defeating them all and freeing them from the infection. 
But it is really solid. It is way smaller, like I said, than Hollow Knight. Five and a half hours. But pretty good. A lot of fun. I don't even know what the time to beat is on Hollow Knight, but it is uh, significantly uh, more than five and a half hours. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's only like 20-something. It's like 40 if you're going for the other the extra endings. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't even gotten the extra endings yet. I'm like 50 hours in, so. And that's, <laughs> but I suck at games. So that, that, could, that could contribute. Uh, I'll go next, just real quick for me. I've been getting back into some Rocket League. Man, what a solid game. It's just, it's just a good game. Um, if you've never played it before, just go try it. It's like soccer with cars. Fun. <laughs> Except you're flying around with rockets. Uh, it's a very complicated game, and I feel like the curve, the, the curve is just... Most people are like, they're fairly fine at driving around cars and jumping a little bit and using rocket boosts a little bit. But then you get to this point at which like all of the good players exist because they're air, they're aerialing across the map, just spinning, spiraling, jumping off the ceiling, the walls, flipping upside down and somehow scoring goals on you. That I think is the point at which Rocket League doesn't, isn't fun anymore. So I just got to keep my, my, like from moving up in the brackets at all so that I just maintain the level where I'm constantly playing with people who play like I do, the style I do. Otherwise, no bueno. The same, nobody else here still plays Rocket League, right? I've never played Rocket League. Sorry. No. <sighs> what, is, what is Rocket League? Dead game. <laughs> it's uh, supersonic acrobatic rocket power battle cars is what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, the sequel to that. Like yeah. soccer with cars? Weird. <laughs> pretty crazy pretty crazy I, when you say uh, the idea that somebody would be listening to this and just have completely no idea what rocket league is and you just <laughs> introduced it to them it's it, so <laughs> what you do is you play the stanley parable and <laughs> and that's only a slight joke because there is a rocket league ending in the Star- stanley parable from what i was watching Jake, so like of course there stuff. is well they picked the best games yeah mm-hmm. makes total sense probably a dota yeah. ending mm-hmm. too Love it. I'm Love sure. It. Probably like six Dota endings. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, last but not least, Owen, what have you been playing lately? Oh, hey! You know, I've been doing some potion crafting over here. Um, and I've been playing this game called Potion Craft. Uh, and uh, it's been uh, a lot of fun. I saw it at PAX. And it, it's, uh, it, it's just honestly been uh, a really fun game where you uh, craft a bunch of potions and uh, the cool mechanic is that you have a map and you got to move around the map to be able to uh, uh, kind of move your potion to where uh, it would be on the map and that's how you create it. So it's not just like, oh, you know, two Ninroot and a carrot and that makes your health potion or whatever. You have to kind of like see on the map where each ingredient would move your little icon to and then try to line it up with the potion that you want it to be and then get it there. I feel like you missed the coolest game mechanic, which is crafting potions. I know that you like really like the the movement of stuff around, but I think crafting potions is the best game mechanic in the game right because that's what it's about crafting potions correct i mean it, it, it and selling the potions you gotta oh, you play it Aaron? no i did not play it okay i i saw it when we were at pax and i was just like man there are games for people there are, then there, are there were four games video games for crafting and selling potions and then there was another one that i saw in the board game section so apparently this is just the year of buying and selling potions and crafting them I actually do think Owen, for once in his entire life, is right in that the exploration <laughs> part. 
The exploration part of that game is like the interesting part of it. Someone, someone clip that. I need, I need to hear that before I go to bed every oh, no. night. I'm sorry. Uh, what did Alex just say? That I was right? Oh, woof. The exploration in that game is fun. Yeah. I'll tell you what's not fun in that game, though, is the bartering. True. The bartering, yeah. No. Fun fact. The bartering system that we played in PAX is not the bartering system in the game right now. Oh, that's weird. The bar- the we played a demo of them trying out a new bartering system. Mm-hmm. And so what? I I because I was playing I I am playing here at home and it was just hilarious because I'm looking for the the options to like go from like easy to medium or hard bartering and there is no option. It's just one bar and it's just go. And I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, and it makes a little bit more sense because I know when we were doing the demo at PAX, like after you click a couple of times, eventually it would just end. Whereas like you could just infinitely go until you got the number to be where you wanted it to be and then hit end it there and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, to which I was like, oh, okay, cool. So there's a different bartering system in the game currently. But it's the same base mechanic. You're still clicking yeah. on little bars within the moving. Exactly. It's still the same base mechanic. Um, I will say that the um, things that we didn't see at PAX that I'm enjoying right now um, is that there are some more uh, ambiguous character uh, requests because like the people will come to the shop and they say, hey, I want to buy a potion from you. Uh, and like, you know, the stuff that you see at the lower levels and the stuff that we saw in the demo uh, was just like, I want to buy a potion because I lost an arm. What potion would you have? Because I lost an Like, it's very like obvious, but like later where I'm at now, it's just kind of like the one that I'm currently doing is like, oh, hey, uh, I can't open this lock and I can't smash it with a sledgehammer. What can you do to help me? And I got no idea out of like my eight options what potion that this person wants, but you only get three chances to get it right. Because after Did you try the lock for... opening potion? There, that's not a potion. <laughs> not what you found yet. That's that's that is not an option that's there. Uh I've tried various different ones. I'm gonna try explosion and see or acid and see if those might be the two. But you only have three attempts to give them the right potion and if you don't give them the right potion by attempt number three they just leave your store and they fucking hate you i bet it's just like potion of being happy with your potion (laughs) (laughs) yeah it could have that like a potion that extends a customer's willingness to stay around and wait on Mm. you make a new potion uh the other thing is uh there's also combining potions which gets real weird uh and uh there because then you can have like hey here's a potion that'll give you health and also help you fall asleep tonight uh so combining is the word that you tried to say <laughs> yeah I, I, I really combining. like combining uh, because uh. you're binding the potions together you're combining and binding them at the same time exactly. we had to make up for what alex said earlier of what that was right Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to instantly have to find something up. Uh, that's fair. Uh, and also, apparently, in the full game, which this is still in some sort of open beta ness, so it's not fully released. Uh, but there's going to be uh, storylines and things to do go with the karma system because there is a karma system of like, hey, this guy's going to use this potion to kill someone. I probably don't want to give him this potion. Um, give him two. 
I mean, you could do that too. <laughs> uh, I haven't been doing that, but they said that eventually they're going to add in things that will be like, hey, if you, you know, if you're X good, other uh, their patrons will show up or you'll get a bonus to your, repu your reputation or something like that. Or if you're X bad, you'll get more of those patrons showing up. You know, you'll get more assassins and thieves and things that will be like, hey, I need more things like that. Um, so yeah, it's a fun game. I'm looking forward to a full release of it because it's really well done. Cool. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about PAX since you've already kind of like brought us right into at yeah. least one of the games that we saw there. Uh, we recently went to PAX East 2022, which was held April 21st through the 24th. Um, if you've been a long time listener to this podcast, which I think there's like seven of you, then you will note that we have been doing PAX East podcasts for quite some time. It's one of our favorite events to go to. This year, we took 12 people. We stayed at a house just in South Boston, and then we got to hang out at PAX for four days straight. It was, it was fun. But there are some caveats to that. This year's PAX was a little bit different to, than uh, any of the PAXs of the past, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, lesser attendance, smaller show floor, maybe not quite as robust of schedule when it came to panels. Uh, altogether a little bit uh, subpar to some past PAXs. But what I want to do is I want to go through a couple things here. We'll kind of go through them in order. But uh, show floor, we'll talk a little bit about the show floor and kind of the experience of PAX itself. Then we'll talk a little bit about some panels that people attended and anything that stands out as far as uh, uh, games or relevant things in that realm. Um, one of the positive benefits I will say about this year is actually getting into PAX. I don't know if this is a combination of less people at PAX and just better detectors, but... Oh, it was man. very easy to get in the front door. Those new detectors are great. I yeah. love them. I can remember years past where we waited in line for half an hour or an hour or maybe sometimes yeah. longer. This was very efficient. They did a very good job of it. And on top of having the scanners, we also had to have a little, almost like a wristband kind of, that identified uh, vaccination status. So it like it took a while for them to check IDs and cards and put a wristband on but it's still very very efficient as far as processing people's concerned oh yeah it was it was insane how fast and also the bag line actually was moving very quickly because of those new uh the the new detectors you didn't need to get your bag checked every time you walked in so half the time you could just walk straight in with a bag of magic cards or whatever and you're fine which was awesome mm -hmm. yeah so alex and i were talking about this we have no idea what the technology is what it's doing yeah yeah Every time no, I went no. through it, I was talking to Ben or Chris about it, and none of us could figure out what was going on. And it's not a metal detector because they seem to have cameras. Yep, they seem to have cameras on them, and there was people at like screens, mm -hmm. and the cameras were like drawing boxes around different things on people. They're detect. They're like looking for something. Probably very almost... similar to the airport ones. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. The little uh, roundabout things that they have at the airport but like similar. i have to stop at the airport it has to, i have to put my hands up yeah i put my hands up in the air <laughs> they're like this don't you move through. or we'll tackle you break stride i didn't yeah. even slow down <laughs> even when they, they said stop you just kept going yeah i just kept going that's <laughs> yeah. why we got in so fast they did yell at people for like they're like one at a time but then they wouldn't stop anybody like yeah. they'd be like hey stop walking through multiple people at a time but also keep on going because we're getting through this. <laughs> also, don't yeah. slow down. <laughs> don't also stop. Hurry can't up. stop. 
So that was that was a plus. The other plus I would say from this show, uh, from my perspective, as far as just the floor and the setup, was actually the food options, which sounds really stupid. Oh, but yeah. In the past, at PAX, there has been, and in fact, it used to be significantly worse than it is even, or it was even the last few years. But in the past, it's just been not a lot of options, hugely long lines, very expensive food, and just no place to sit down and eat. This year, they had probably, I don't know, 12 food trucks, I would guess, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, lines were quick. You could go outside on the lawn on D. Just they did a good job of coordinating that. Well, also some of those food trucks, and I, like I don't know how much of that you saw, but uh, some of those trucks were invited inside, taking up the spots that used to mm -hmm. have just like hot dogs and pretzels. And yeah. so it was like, no, there's like a barbecue group mm -hmm. there, or like a chicken place. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. Like it's neat to see that they brought some of those people more inside into those areas that like. Obviously, nobody was buying those, like, you know, the regular convention food from them and kind of spacing it out a bit more. I'm pretty sure in 2020 that was occupied by an Overwatch Lamborghini. <laughs> well, I'm, ta I'm talking about on the, like, uh, in the halls where, like, Albatross is, not downstairs because gotcha, you're right gotcha. there there was also the ones that were on the show floor itself, which was yeah. also kind of nice. One uh, other yeah. benefit of this year, I think, which I think this is more an effect of having not gone last year, is that we didn't have one of those years where half of the show floor is exactly the same as the year before. Or we're only true. seeing the same things over and over. That's true. Probably Borderlands 2 wasn't year. there. <laughs> Weird. It's a little heartbreaking. Very. Uh, okay, show floor related things. Let's talk about the layout of the floor um, and things we saw on the floor. First and foremost, before we even went on this trip, we pulled up the floor plan and we looked at it in comparison to 2020. It looked a lot smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lo and behold, it was a lot smaller. It was. Weird. Weird how that worked I out. I didn't believe it, but it was true. It like was smaller. 20% of the show floor is Intel, it looked like. Well, yeah. I, I, huge booth. As much as we give Intel shit for that, it wasn't just their booth, which I think has to be said in their defense because it's still like PC gear, though. Like it, it's all stuff that has Intel processors in it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying is that like it wasn't just like the Intel booth; it was like theirs, but also MSI was there, Newegg was there. Uh, there was someone else that was also there. Like it was several different like large companies kind of combining into one thing. Uh, whereas like previously, I remember the last year that I went to PAX, there was an MSI booth that was pretty fucking big. There was an Intel booth that was pretty fucking big. There was like a Newegg booth that was so like all they've done was really just mashed them all together which was like sure fine go for it they had a lot of show floor to sell i they mean they did have yeah. show floor to sell and they probably should, could have sold more in my opinion i think i think there was probably some general concern and honestly as a you know our company the company i work for we do a lot of trade shows and this year being like the first year sort of post it's not post-COVID, but it's definitely, like, out of the really bad years of COVID. We took a step back, too, and we were, like, reanalyzing. All right, is it worth it to go to a, spend $15,000, $20,000 to go to a show, plus hotel and food for, like, six to eight people to maybe not even have the foot traffic that we've had yeah. years ago? 
it's it's hard to say. I mean, it's it's hard to say it's unfair if companies not coming, but at the same time, it's like also if we want packs to continue, people really devs have to show up, attendees have to show up, panelists have to show up. People really have to just be back at the show to make it feel like what it was prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies that just got used to just releasing their own announcements online or like yeah. the Steam stuff has changed a lot of things too, like the the Next Fest and all that stuff where everybody mm-hmm. just puts their demos out on Steam. Yeah. Yeah, I was I mean, gonna say that seemed to be the the consensus that I was talking with at least Chris and Bennett. I don't know if you guys thought the same was exactly like you know, before you would go and you'd play games that didn't have demos out, now pretty much every uh, game that we saw on the show floor, there was a demo already on Steam. And so mm-hmm. it was like, why am I waiting an hour or whatever yeah. to get into one of these computers when I could just be at home still, download the demo and just play it right now? Yeah. I will say on there's the like hand, plenty of stuff that I would have never found the demo for. Sure. Like, it's still effective at as a marketing thing, I think for like getting eyes on your product. Well, yeah. unless, unless you're Caleb and you go download every demo on steam and play them all, you don't get don't to know. experience all the things that don't fit in the categories that you normally play. So that's, that's why it's nice to have the show floor. Cause then you can walk around and you experience things you wouldn't like, I would have never ever downloaded eternal return. Never. And yet somehow that was, probably one of my favorite games that I played at the show. I don't know why, but it, it would not anime. have fit. It's like a weeb An- anime game and you're actually secretly a weeb. Anime. Yeah. Does make sense. Okay, anime is a tag I have in Steam turned off. So it doesn't send me anything that's anime. Related. <laughs> well, to be fair, half of the Steam anime games are just like hentai dating sims. So I don't blame you for that. Mm. Um, okay, so we talked about floor a little bit, kind of smaller. We had a couple of bigger companies that bought a lot of floor space. We also had some companies that bought floor space but really didn't do anything other than maybe selling some merch. Mm-hmm. Um, Bioware had a booth that had nothing in it except a merch store, which was... Well, so I looked at that because it wasn't the Bioware booth. It was the Bioware merch booth. So it was specifically <sighs> their like merchandise what companies... <laughs> like thing like it's the same it's it's not that's my point though is that it's not they bought a booth for bioware and bioware was like just sell them t-shirts no that's it's it's that's what i'm saying though it's not bioware it's their merch company like they're two separate entities it looks like bioware but it is not actually bioware it is somebody that just sells bioware shit that's weird they like license all their stuff to a separate merch exactly exactly alex like it's just like some other third company that's not even them so you're like why what i listen if they were selling uh square footage at the show floor for cheap and they felt like they could get a return selling bioware merch which i'm sure a lot of people went and bought merch there then why not i guess but sure uh, i don't know a bunch of anthem merch there (laughs) tons Uh, i did see a lot of people walking around this on Anthem 2.0 merch. <laughs> Anthem next, <laughs> yeah. coming soon. Oh man, can't wait, can't wait. Stage 2. <laughs> uh, Anthem Stage okay. 2. <laughs> Anthem Stage 2, yeah, there you go. So, uh, again, some big companies bought a lot of sh- uh, uh, square footage on the floor. We also saw some companies that had just fully merch booths. 
the the show floor itself was a little bit smaller. They definitely had some of the board game area that had expanded towards the front, as well as they had some just general open space. Like the aisles were bigger. The space where they had food trucks inside were previously occupied by things. The I, I really think actually the 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 like footprint of each of the small indie booths was just larger in multiple spots, and you could tell because you'd walk up and they'd have. Two 10-foot tables and two TV screens. Like they're, they're not planning for a 20-foot-long booth. They're planning for 10 feet to put a couple screens in there. And they just had more real estate. So it didn't necessarily feel as tightly packed as past PAXs. Uh, 2019 actually stands out vividly for me because you could not really move. You were kind of like arms to your side, kind of squeezing between people, and it was awful. Mm. Um, so that was a benefit. But the flip side of that coin is that there were a lot less things to see so on saturday when everybody was there the lines were excruciatingly long for all the games Mm -hmm. because there just weren't that many lines weren't enough lines to fill the people right right and i'm sure that and they don't pax hasn't published attendee numbers for years they used to publish every year but i think they got to a point where they were just like we don't need to publish these numbers people are people are showing up right (laughs) and you know I, i i'm sure this year it would be down significantly but it was clear to me on uh, even Friday that there were a lot of people who still chose to come out and go to PAX. Even with everything going on, all the restrictions that PAX had in place in order to attend the event, people wanted to be there. They want to see developers in person. Mm-hmm. They want to interact. They want to cosplay. It was still a busy event. I didn't go on Saturday, so I can't, I can't speak from that perspective, but even Friday was pretty busy. I mean, Saturday was, I would say, usual Saturday packness. It, yeah. it, it felt very busy. Yeah, Saturday was actually sold out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sold out. I believe it was the only day that mm-hmm. was sold out. So let's talk about games now. We've talked a little bit about the layout. Uh, game-wise, I think we'll just kind of go around in a circle and talk about some games we have here. Uh, Caleb, you want to start if there's things that stood out on your list, and then people can jump in if you say things that you know people liked. Sure. Yeah, the, the first one I, I really gravitated towards was uh, one of the Devolver games called Cult of the Lamb. It would look like a little roguelike game. Very, very Binding of Isaac-like. So, you know, I'm already obviously interested. <laughs> and with a really cool-looking theme where you're... It's like, I, I guess you're creating a cult. You are mm-hmm. the lamb, and you're, like, bringing people to your cult. That's kind of how it went. I don't know. It was a really it's neat li- theme. It literally looks like you're, like, a lamb brought to slaughter. They're like the last possible heir to this like aimed like prophecy, and so they kill you. But then this elder god's like, they thought they could kill you, but like, nah, dude, go start a cult in my name. <laughs> so you're like starting this cult for this elder god. It, it looks pretty. It yeah. looks awesome. It looks great. We didn't get a chance to play it. We were in line one day for like a short time, and they were like, "Oh no, we got a media thing, so you guys gotta oh, leave." Yeah, but they had, down. and the lines the other days were a while longer. Yes. Well, but they they also had like one seat. Right. Yeah. 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 It was one big screen, and people seemed. It seemed like the demo was not a short one at all. Yeah. I don't. This year was a weird year for demos. It felt like every place was like, "Yeah, no, forty-five minutes of gameplay." Yeah. Don't it let was, us. Yeah. 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 It was a really weird year. There was um, not to jump in front of you, Caleb, but that game, oh. uh, No Place for Bravery. Yeah. Is that what it was called? Yep. Yeah. The line was like two hours long, but there were only like five people in line because every person played for like an hour. Yeah, they had like three insane. stations for it. It was ridiculous. Like y'all just cut it shorter. Yeah, I don't know why the demo? It's a demo. Long. I don't know. 
That game was a lot of fun, though. I had a, I had a blast with that. Yeah. If you play Children of Morta, it's like a single-player version of that, it felt like. Really pretty pixel art. Kind of a isometric hack and slash. It was called, what was it uh, called? No Place for Bravery. By Easebrid? Easebrid Games? Yes. They're, they're like How the publisher, though. I don't know who the developer would oh, be. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, Easebrid. Easebrid. Developed by Glitch Factory. Mm, that's gonna be my next guess. Did they develop anything else? Glitch Nothing. Factory. Nothing else. First game. Just curious. It might be. Diamond I mean, could be. Well, I'm curious. Yeah. Party you gotta start somewhere. Right. After party. No, after they did party. after party. Not after party. Not that after Not, party. Not that a, after a party. A different after what party. What does that mean? <laughs> Uh, Not the after party made by the people that made. Uh, wow, I lost the name of that game. That one game. Struggle. Oxen. Fruit. It's called Party Saboteurs, actually. Also, there's uh, another one called Oni Run. Mm. They have three games. Okay. Cool. Uh, what else did I, Caleb? I don't know how many games to give you here because I'm sure you have a giant list. Uh, I don't have an enormous list. I feel like I wasn't that impressed by most most games this year. Wow, hard to flee. I I got a a couple, I guess, I could call out. We got Moonscars, which is a 2D Souls-like game. Looked a lot like uh, Blasphemous, if you played that. Did seem like it was probably a Metroidvania in some way. Um, Looked very similar to Blasphemous, a little more dreary and grim looking but otherwise very similar pixel art beautiful animations Quite best cool game. best character name ever yeah, yeah. was a gray irma gray irma, irma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> what a name oh man that's a freaking Pretty dope bad. heavy hammer attack animation mm. is dope <laughs> you're not wrong yeah the animations look slick when you played that, did you realize that you could dash during the animation? No. And it would just continue the animation. That seems pretty good. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing else, really. Move on to somebody else, I guess. Okay, but... those two things. Jake, how about you? Oh, me. Okay. Uh, so, well, these first two, I actually didn't play until after packs. I didn't feel like waiting in line for them, so I just downloaded the demos later. Uh, the first one is Turbo Overkill. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Doom, Doom 2016 or Doom Eternal. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, the main difference is you have a slide and when you slide your legs, chainsaws, uh, so you just slide into people and you kill them with your chainsaw legs, which Mm -hmm. admittedly is a pretty good upgrade. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. Um, it's pretty fun. I don't know that it's as like tightly designed as Doom Eternal. They obviously have a lot less money than the Doom guys, so it looks a lot worse. But it's got that same kind of fast-paced, kind of frantic combat feel. So I had a lot of fun yeah. with it. I feel like it has, like, the old Doom look, the aesthetics. Yes, um, very much but so. the mobility still feels there. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you go play, like, Doom Eternal or just Doom 2016, highly mobile game. This felt that mobile. It just didn't look quite as pretty. It just looked, you know, that traditional Quake Doom style. Yeah, very boxy. Yeah. Yeah. Low res. Yeah, the, the slide is so nice, because you, you get so much speed off of it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, 
The other one I played was a little game called Tinykin. Uh, I've hmm. never... So, I've never actually played Pikmin, but I think it's like... Okay. Uh, you basically, you're, you're like, you're like the world's tiniest fan, you're this very small fella, and you end up like in someone's living room, and you've got to like gather all this shit to make a spaceship so you can leave. Uh, and so there, there's like a pretty long demo on Steam right now, but the first section you're like, these people like worship this poster for like a boy band. So you've got to, like, get the disc for that boy band, put it in the CD player and play it, and they all, like, freak out and give you the thing you need. It's a lot more... Again, I haven't played Pikmin, but it's got a very heavy exploration focus that I don't think Pikmin has, as far as I'm aware. It's a, it's a lot less, like, trying to solve a puzzle and more just, like, trying to find as many guys as you can so that way you can break down that door to get to the next part. Or just finding, like, collectibles, like, oh, I got a piano key that I then carry all the way over to the piano, so I can open a door in the piano, because that's how pianos work, I guess. <laughs> Correct, it is. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's, I mean, it's fun. It's kind of nothing special, I would say, but it's fun. I feel like they got an idea for this from a panel we went to two years ago, three years ago, where there was the suggest your game idea or whatever. Game Video idea. game idea. Yeah, and one of them was World's Tiniest Man. It was that yes. was like the whole pitch. Pretty sure they were at the panel and were like, let's it's make possible. a game. Yes, that was such a good idea too. Where is the World's Tiniest Man? He's in a cabinet. He's in a hat. In the cabinet. What a, what a good panel. That was such a good panel. Uh, uh, is that all you got? Uh, I must have had. I'm, I, I can do one more. I can do one more. Um... <laughs> Save that one for Alex. So I will talk about Keylocker, because I don't think anyone else is going to talk about Keylocker. Uh, it's like a, a JRPG kind of cyberpunky with a musical emphasis. You basically play as like a singer, and you are trying to basically get a band together to save the world with rock and roll. It's something like music is like this. It's like a very powerful force, and so you've got to like assemble a band to like take out this like power corporation that's like monopolizing the world's power. It's, I really liked the aesthetic. That's really what drew me to it. Uh, the combat system also does something that I always love in JRPGs where it's sort of like a little mini game when you're playing it. It's not just I hit you, then you hit me, then I hit you. It's like you got a time button presses to like do extra damage or you can actually dodge enemy attacks and take zero damage. Uh, it really just makes it a little more interactive uh, than just slapping each other back and forth. Uh, but that's also a demo on Steam uh, and it's really good. Of course it is. They're all demos on Steam. We've learned this this year. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Owen, how about you? What do you got? Oh, hey. Uh, so, yeah, going with the potion themes, other than Potion Craft, there's a game called Potionomics, uh, where that one is uh, a little bit more anime style and deck building. You have, you're haggling of selling potions to uh, your customers. It all comes in a deck. And so then you're trying to use different cards to try to upsell the price or to, you know, impress your customers of the potion and then they'll buy it for a higher price. And then you uh, kind of continue that loop. Uh, also, uh, I was talking to the guy that wrote uh, the um, that like wrote all of the scenes for the game because apparently like there is things about creating relationships with your customers so much so that you can even date some of them. So it's not just a potion crafting deck building game. It's also a dating sim. 
Uh, and so I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, and I'm looking forward for that coming out. I think we're going to um, get also, to a point where, where people aren't like, let's combine all of the genres of the really popular games into something, that, like an amalgam of everything, and it'll, be, it'll that, sell. Is, that, is it. that not just Grand Theft Auto? <sighs> wow. I'm, I'm just saying Grand Theft Auto has uh, uh, sports inside of it because you can do uh, tennis and like uh, golf and stuff. Like That's in the game already. There's racing. There's like I first we or third person shooter. Genres <laughs> I, I, you could probably, every time you die, restart, so then you get a roguelike. <laughs> um, and uh, then you could maybe Gosh. like put in some like dating stuff. Uh, you got Sims. I think... Honestly, I'm just saying it's like GTA 6 is just going to be everything in one game and you're done. Uh, I think you can the like idea... roll around from some bosses and that can be your like souls like you got to roll. If you think about it like every game has like some RPG elements now. I think it's mm -hmm. more like that. Like they've they've adopted that specific component of all the games into what they're doing even though it may like not you be You got to you got to put a little bit of everything in everything. Right, 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 right. Um, also, I was uh, very impressed with a game called uh, The Last Hero of Nostalgia. And I asked how the at you pronounce it, and it is Nostalgia. That's so, wrong. That's, I think that's incorrect. That's wrong. <laughs> uh, well, that's what also, the people that worked on it said. I also Sorry. Think they say it differently in the trailer. Uh, they do, and the entire reason they say it differently in the trailer is because they're fucking with you. Uh, well, great which is advertising, why, dude. Which yeah, is yeah, why yeah, I, I love the fucking game, because they're just fucking with, like, the the first thing that you do in this game, because it's a Souls-like satirical game, is like, okay, you have your character, and then you go to character creation screen. Your stick figure... No matter what you do on these bars of age, hair color, you know, weight, any of these things, face, doesn't change anything on the stick figure. You're a fucking <laughs> stick figure. And I loved it so much because I was just sat there and I was like, Alex would sit here for an hour trying to get the stick figure to look right. And it doesn't change anything. And I love that. Okay, obviously if it doesn't actually change anything, I'm not going to sit there for an hour. Are you sure? <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure you would try like every option just in case one of them was like a secret thing to make it look good. Um, yes. Get out of here. <laughs> but I I thought it was a a very fun and entertaining game, so I thought that was neat. You play it? Um, well, yeah, I played it. You liked the gameplay. I liked the gameplay. I of... hate you, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was gonna come out. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh, why? Alex, You'll why play you... every Souls like game but Elden Ring. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Because I like uh, Souls games that don't take Souls games seriously, so I'm in. Um, the problem also, is you're missing out on, like, quite possibly one of the best games of, I don't know, the past 20 years. And I played Witcher 3, like, 10 years too late, so you know what? I'm okay with this. You'll get there eventually. I got it. I got, got, it. got, I, got, I got there. It was your, on sale for five Your responsibility like... to play it before game of the year. Oh, <laughs> I will tell you right now. I will not do it. I will watch Jake stream it at some point some more, and that has already made my opinion of it. Yeah, so... dude, I'm gonna stream it more. It's been out for like two months, <laughs> but yeah, for sure, dude. <laughs> 
I'm good. Uh, I'm good on the Elden Ring. Um, I am surprised Jake and Caleb didn't talk about Rusted Moss. I I assumed Jake was going to, so I actually skipped it. Uh-huh. Because you you both were the ones that kept telling me about Rusted Moss, and then I finally checked out Rusted Moss. I didn't get a chance to play it because the line was too long, but um, it seemed cool. It's a Metroidvania-type game where you have a gun, and the gun is also like a rubber band bungee cord. So you can like swing around places and you have to try to get like higher up in the tower. So you're trying to go up. So it's got like some Celeste platforming going on. I don't know. Very physics based gameplay where you can latch on to a bunch of different surfaces. And then you have a bungee cord. So you can like jump real high and then fall and then latch on at the last second and repel yourself back up the other side to reach a high up cliff or something. That's good. That's good. I like that. And it, it likes to in, likes to make you do that during fighting people while fighting people, which yeah. is tough. Yeah. Uh, there was also uh, uh, this other Souls-like game called Esturgio. Uh, <laughs> Sturgios. That one I did not get them to uh, actually pronounce, but it was over at the Tiny Build, uh, uh, and yeah, it looked like Assassin's yes. Creed, and also Kenna, and also. I guess Horizon Zero Dawn and looked good, seemed good, played good. Where are you getting Assassin's Creed from? But <laughs> it, it uh, mainly looks to me it was kind of but with fun gameplay. I think it's, <laughs> it's just because of the ability to swap out all the different uh, weapons, the same way that you could do that in Assassin's Creed. Like you could go in with an axe or a sword or a real. I mean, it's it's a Souls like. That's fair. Uh, and Assassin's Creed has been getting more and more soulsy, especially when you do the boss fights. So there's that. Um, and uh, you love I... Assassin's Creed, man. I don't like. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm I love you. exploring all of these like you know ancient worlds and having a good time and like fighting gods. Oh my! Like, listen seriously though, <laughs> we're gonna submit a panel for next year where the it is literally yes. going to be exactly what we talked about. Yeah, you're going to either review or comment on some game that all of us have played, and then we're all just gonna tell you how you're wrong. And I think that's a great fucking panel, and I <laughs> want to do it so badly. If there was a I, year that we could have just done any random panel, I'm pretty sure this would have been the year that we could have done it, and we should have done it. Hundred percent. We, we could have after easily at least, gotten one. After at least one of the panels we went to, for certain, which we'll get to in a minute. But any other games that uh, uh, you had on your list? Yeah, I think the last thing, um, it, it's, you know, quad, I, I guess two last things real quick. Uh, one, there's a board game uh, that I absolutely adored called Drag to Riches, where you play as uh, competing drag queens and you had to make your looks uh, inside of a deck builder. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, also in the non-video game category, I uh, took some time to play uh, the Magic the Gathering new Capenna pre-release uh, with Ben and Chris, and that was really cool. I like the new set. It's all 1920s gangster-themed, so the art is very cool because it's all like kind of got this Art Deco thing going on with it, uh, and Art Nouveau, and so like all of the cards are just very pretty, and uh, all of the naming and like the the kind of theming is very cool because it's all you know uh it's all like the kind of got that that old school gangster feel to it you know there's literally a call uh, uh there's literally a card called uh um an offer you can't refuse and i was like 
perfect. This is they come an offer that stupid, he can't refuse. It's 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 you know stupid things like that that I was like, this is this is getting me back into some magic, and that was a good time. All right, just side note, quick poll here: How many people in this podcast have actually watched The Godfather? One. Oh, that's just uh, so me? two. Two of us. You and you and I. <laughs> wow. I knew okay. that Alex hadn't watched it. <clears throat> okay. Saw, all right. It's a, it's a good flick. It's uh, maybe one of the best movies of all time. All right, just checking. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. He'll cool. get to it eventually. Yeah, yeah it's it in that top 250. So I'll get there yeah. eventually. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll get there eventually. Alex, what what, uh, what games did you see? Sure, uh, well, your enthusiasm is like through. Yeah, the holy shit. <laughs> what games did you play? There, games. Yeah. So, well, um, especially if well, you don't the game, remember them. I was trying to think of which one really cool. Jake said that he was going to leave for me. And I think it might have been No Longer Human. Yeah, you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You got it in one. Uh, <laughs> a game called No Longer Human. <laughs> it's like a style action, uh, like beat em up ish type game. You got like the Devil May Cry, like stylish rating system fluid combat, all that kind of stuff. It is side-scrolling, and it is like a wild visual spectacle in that it's almost kind of hard to look at, but also like once you get into the flow state of, of playing it, it, it works, I think. It's mm-hmm. all about that flow state, man. Uh, you're, just, you're a girl, you have a scythe, uh, you freaking tear some people up. It's, it's a lot of fun to play. Wait a second, uh, is this the game that there is no possible way to read the name of the logo? Yeah. The logo yeah, yeah. is in, is not readable. Yeah, at it, it's all. it's yeah. like if you took a metal band because they all have the same style of logos. It's just that like really like crazy script, and then you just made it worse, like yeah. made it even more illegible. I'll say they're they're really bad at marketing because if you go to the Steam page and watch the the trailer, the trailer is maybe the worst trailer I've ever seen for a video game. Wow! It, Damn! Okay. It like doesn't sell the game at all you can't tell what's happening they're they're doing like this like ring of light flash that like goes with the music over the top of the gameplay which means the gameplay is already hard to understand to begin with but you just can't see any of it and they also like cut to a new thing like every two seconds so you have no idea what's happening this it's is a very bad trailer, a bad trailer. I'm, I'm watching it right now <laughs> this it's very is bad <laughs> Like, if I didn't already play this game and know what it was, I would look at this on the Steam page and, and pass immediately and never well, look at it again. What's mm-hmm. incredible is not only is the trailer bad, but the screenshots are so... The screenshots like, are just bad, too, yeah. no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's just They're very art. not good at promoting their game. Yikes! Yeah. But, from what I played, it's pretty cool, so maybe it's check it out. It's actually pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even really like promotional material. The stylish games, but I had a lot of fun playing it. Um, kind of along the same vein, there's a game called Blind Fate. Ido no Yami. Kind of a cool concept. Like you're a yeah. (laughs) Try. Uh, it's kind of a cool concept. You're a like a samurai guy, like a cybernetic samurai dude in a future world, and you're blind. You have to rely on your other senses to like see enemies and figure out where to jump and stuff like that. And like your perspective on the world, you're still it's still a video game, so you still have to like look at a screen to play it. But like 
they load into your memory like what you remember the area looking like and that's not necessarily what it is in the world so you like stumble across stuff and like you can like feel the heat of like vents or hear enemies and stuff like that to like update your like uh senses of the world pretty pretty unique idea i think yeah the concept was cool i think it needs some work i feel like there's a once you figure out how to fight an enemy that's how you fight every enemy and it works perfectly yeah Yeah. so i I think combat needs some work at least but cool concept yeah and um I mean, like like a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. I will say, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge was a ton of fun. Yeah, I didn't get to play it really. There was an enormous line at that all the time. We went, me, Aaron, and and Eric went like at the end of one of the show floor days, and they like let us hop on while the show floor was closing for a little bit. <laughs> we we didn't even really get to play because like you you and Derek played it first and then they swapped yeah. uh, I got to swap in but we didn't really play a lot in the second half but even the short amount of time I played it was just like a fun side-scrolling beat-em-up like you know classic game it, it like the pixel art was great it was very detailed but at the same time it felt very old school it was very nostalgic it was, it was it's a cool game it's also cool because like you look at it and you're like oh that's turtles in time you're like yeah that's totally what turtles in time looked like and then you go look up screenshots of what turtles in time looked like it does not look like that <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those moments where you're like oh man your memory really like makes yeah, things appear better yeah i was about to say we literally caleb and i had the same experience we played dungeon defenders awakening and we were like eh, i don't know about this game let's go play the original and the original dungeon defenders looks like mega ass <laughs> it is a looking game it's oh bad. no it's like borderline oh, no. unplayable. It's bad, dude. Like not wow. just visually. Like the menus are just like, what am I looking at? Like nothing's the right <laughs> size. It overlaps weird. All these it's symbols confusing. mean nothing to you. Yeah, I have like ninety hours in this game or some ridiculous <laughs> number. I don't know how to play it anymore. Funny. Okay, okay it's better uh, logo. Okay, perfect. I'll uh, I'll wrap this up. I had uh, four games that nobody talked about. Um, first and foremost, Plunder Panic. I don't know if everybody got to play Plunder Panic, but uh, it is a uh, 6v6 like action arcade game where you basically play as pirates. There's a captain and then f- and then uh, five members of the crew. And it's got the what's the game, Alex, that you play with the B uh, the B game, um, the arcade Queen. game, Fuck Killer Queen. very much has a killer queen vibe in the sense that the mechanics of the game exist all on one screen and there's basically four ways to win um it's uh kind of a platforming game where you're kind of looking at two boats kind of facing one another you've kind of you know set against this island and there's four ways to win you can either uh, shoot the enemy ship three times with a cannon you can collect the most gold you can kill the captain i think five times or you can go down and row this rowboat full of TNT over to the other ship and blow it up. And so it's very, like, there's just a bunch of stuff going on all at once. And it feels really sporadic. And, like, you're jumping around the map trying to figure out what, what like, your best route is. Um, but it was really fun. And the booth was actually really busy every day that we were there. I think a lot of people had a lot of fun with this game. But it's like eight players at a time, so it moved really fast also. Well, they were only playing the the limited version. 
So when they full release, it's 6v6, not 4v4. Yeah. Mm. I'm just saying, like, Which, they actually knew how to run, like, a demo where they got yeah. people through to play. Oh, yeah. interesting. And, like, interesting. some other people. It, it was what? crazy. They, like, let you play for three rounds, and basically they would say, all right, here's the deal. If you're the captain, you get a hat, you get two hits until you die. If you're any one of the other people, you can do one of these three tasks, go knock it out. And that was it. And they hand you a controller, and it's, it's really intuitive. It's not complicated. X is the action for everything you do. Um, you can go buy a sword so you can attack people if you want. Otherwise, you just pick stuff up and go use it. You either grab gold, you go put it back in your chest. You grab a cannonball, put it in the cannon. You jump in the rowboat, you row it. Or you grab a sword, you fight the captain. Very simple. Very fun. Um, I think they maybe have some work to do on the audio aspect of the game because it was very, like... I don't know. They, I feel like they took sound bites from like a really old game. It didn't feel like it meshed up well with the gameplay. But other than that, very fun game to play. Uh, my second game was Orbitals, which was in the same booth, which is in the PAX Rising booth. Orbitals is a game It's um, where you're playing as kind of this little guy. It's a, it's a, I don't know how to describe Orbitals. It's a arena shooter, mm-hmm. except, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll call it an arena sure. shooter. But you have gravity boots. And basically what you're doing is you're flying around trying to activate and deactivate your gravity boots to attach to, like, different portions of the map while also using your weapons and your special ability because there's, like, it's got, like, an RPG aspect in the sense that everybody has, like, abilities. It's like a... uh, Alex played a guy that was basically Goku and would just kill everybody on the map. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had a really fast shooting gun. But I I think what sold me on this game was how well the gravity boots worked. You could not only sling yourself across the map by like releasing and activating your gravity boots like when you're passing by objects but you can also use your gun to just launch yourself across the map and move and there were portals and it was just very mobile and a lot of fun i don't know how long i would play the game because i feel like unless they had a lot of different types of maps uh and a way to keep me there maybe i'm i'm gaining something like cosmetics or something in the game otherwise i feel like it, it might get old quickly i don't know it's just me. It feels like one of those games you save for like when people are over or something. Oh yeah, like I'll take hey, that. You guys want to? You want to play Smash Brothers or you want to play like some Orbitals? All right. Side note: What was that game we used to play all the time that was on the Xbox? It was four. Like you're playing like four UFOs and you're pulling a little orb away from this giant creepy guy. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know that. Oh, the name uh, of it. Um, Yep. Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet. That's it. Insanely Twisted Shadow Planet. Good memory. What a game. I thought you meant from like when you were little, little. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was oh, tuning no, 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 out no. for a minute because I thought I was talking like only Caleb. But No, 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 no. It's insanely <laughs> Twisted Shadow Planet. What a game. That was a good game. That's a cool game, yeah. Um, okay, so that's two of mine. I also had uh, Eternal Return. Why did you bring that up? <laughs> I don't know because just in the middle. Well, Caleb was talking about things that you're just like you pull out instead of playing Smash Brothers when you have people at your house, and for some reason, yeah, Caleb, look what you did. That's what we that's what we played when groups would come over our house, especially back in Ashburn. We like that's the game we would play. I don't know why, but it was just very fun. Uh, Eternal Return. How to describe this game? This is a mobile. Uh, sorry, mobile. It's a, it's a MOBA battle royale survival crafter all in one. I would say. <laughs> all of my You've least favorite genres. Uh, maybe like one of your least favorite. Maybe like Anime a little less. Uh, le- less on the. 
less on the survival end. So it's like a MOBA battle royale crafter RPG game. I don't know. It kind of combines mm-hmm. all those categories. Basically, what happens is you have a giant map. There's 18 players. You play as any number of people that have like different types of abilities, and you're building to your skills. So it's got like your classic four skill combat moves and what you're doing is you're kind of working your way around the map in sort of a path you're gathering supplies and resources to build better weapons better armor better helmet better shoes which up basically buffs your stats so that um you're as, as you kind of move around the map all of these areas will close they'll eventually disappear which is forcing everybody to come closer to the center of the map and then all of those 18 people end up fighting in one sector or the other until there's one left standing it's, it was really unique. I have not played anything like it, but it was also very weird because I felt like at least against, because we didn't play against any other actual people, we were just playing against bots, but you could pull an Alex where you don't really attack anybody and then the bots just kill one another and then you win automatically. Smart. <laughs> you got, you got like a tote bag if you manage to get first place and I was just like hanging out and then like I was in the last area and all the bots were just off the map part that hurts them <laughs> and they died wow. I won. Cool, it was cool story bro it was it was short enough to not have the problems with like old school battle royale where you didn't have a respawn but it was also complex enough to like really engage you a little bit with like the ability mechanics of what you're trying to do because there's also a bunch of uh npcs kind of around the map you're just attacking like random enemies until you actually find an enemy to attack uh the looting was interesting it was pretty easy it wasn't like super complicated so it's like a pretty pretty simple game for as complex as it sounds trying to combine all of those mechanics into one game type everyone has an ultimate right um sure <laughs> not <Yeah>. really <laughs> like it doesn't okay. it doesn't it doesn't if it's play just or, skill that's fine it doesn't play or look like an ultimate but yes okay. so everybody has five abilities basically you have the four My- main abilities and then you have like a secondary fifth my fourth ability was definitely an ultimate. Okay, you you were playing the only ranged character in the game. Everybody else just has a normal ability for their for their R. I had a oh. big beam that murdered anybody that came yeah. at me. Oh. I I was Pretty playing a, No, I was playing like a mechanic cleaner and I had a giant like shop brush, shop broom. Uh, yeah, my ult was not really an ult. Okay, I was curious how how ults play into the whole battle royale piece? Like, do you have it every <laughs> fight almost? No, it's a or very long it, cooldown. You it's get like, it like once, so you better hold on to it until you know you're losing that fight uh, and you better throw it. I would say early game, well, sorry, after you get it, because it takes a while to actually get to that ability. But after you get it, with, for the first like couple, I would say five or ten minutes, you have a good amount of time where you can use it because the cooldown is like somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 90 seconds. I don't know exactly, okay. but Not it takes crazy. a little bit. Yeah, so you can pretty much rely on it battle to battle. But when you get to the end, when you're in the last one, I feel like you're probably just saving it to try and deal with anybody who's left over from the other fights. Mm-hmm. The game, it was weird in the sense that it didn't force people to fight. So I feel like you would run into like a strange camping mechanic with a MOBA slash battle royale, which seems weird because you don't do that in those games, really. I guess you kind of right. do in battle royales, but not right. really. There's no, like, circle that was forcing people closer and closer and closer as the game went on. It's just, like, little sectors would go and disappear. Uh, it was cool. I really liked it. Um, it was unique. I had never played anything like it, so I thought it was really fun. Free to play on Steam, right? Yeah. Is it out? 
Uh, I believe it's out. Oh, no shit. Hey, let me look. It is an early access. Uh, early access, okay. Okay. It was an early access as of October 14th, 2020. So it's been early access for a minute. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, um, probably my favorite game at PAX was Dome Keeper. I don't know if anybody got a chance to play this. Oh, but, um, I played it. I watched yeah. it. Yeah, we watched it for a long while, actually. We were really curious about it, but... It's a, it's a very long demo. It sucked. Like we've talked about already, it's a very long demo, but it is unique. It's like a roguelite mining game where you... The, the premise is you're on this alien planet and you have a dome. That dome is protecting your survivable atmosphere in the place where you live as this small man in a spacesuit. And you're basically drilling down into the core of the planet to find resources to upgrade your dome, upgrade the weapons on the dome upgrade your spacesuit with the goal of one of two things, which is what they sort of showcased in the demo. One of them is building a ship and leaving the planet. So you don't have to deal with these enemies in anymore. And the other is finding this long lost artifact that's buried somewhere in the planet that you have to bring back in order to upgrade your facility to the point at which you're impervious to damage from the aliens. So the, the mechanics of the game are, like I said, you're, you're drilling down, but also there's like a timer. So enemies are just kind of coming on a timer. So you go down, you drill as much as you can, you watch the timer, you fly back to the surface, and then you control the cannon. And you're kind of moving it around the dome, firing at enemies, uh, upgrading it as, as fast as you can to try and survive. Um, it's, I don't know, it was really unique, really fun. Uh, I liked the art style. I, it was just a blast. I don't, Alex, you played it. What did you think about it? Uh, it's, I think it's good. Um, excellent. Thank you. Appreciate that. Input. That's, very, that's very good. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if it's a game I would play necessary necessarily. Like, I don't know. It's you guys have a lot of margarita. It's huh? weird. Yeah. Jesus. It's a good game. My, Somebody my has. It's a weird game. It's it gets tedious at times. I'm I'm curious to see how like a longer run would go because obviously mm -hmm. they have a point in the demo that they like force it to end um, is it is it like a rogue is there like a story i don't they didn't expose any of the story i think okay. it's yeah they, he mentioned to us he was talking to us and he said there would be a story like a okay. story progression yeah i don't know like like about it but yeah i feel it, like that answer was a little wishy-washy but yeah it still feels it, like it's definitely a roguelike start mm-hmm with a dome and work down every time, I think you're going to do runs like that over and over again. There's different characters that I guess will have different abilities and there's different domes that will be able to do different things. Mm -hmm. Now you've got me really intrigued on like how that person got to an alien planet with just a dome, right? Like, what's their <laughs> goal there? If it's to leave or to become impervious to enemy fire, why are they there? I, I guess I say become impervious to enemy fire. It doesn't specifically say that. It just says find an artifact inside the planet or asteroid or whatever you're on and bring it back to the dome. That's the goal. It doesn't really provide you any story elements as to why you're doing it. The other one's pretty self-explanatory. Build a ship, fly off the planet. You're escaping. Well, yeah, but like, why would you go there if that was I, your goal? There were no story elements. It literally launches <laughs> you into I'm the game. Just I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it was... I just really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was relaxing. I feel like it's the type of game where you can just sit down and kind of zone out and play a lot of it. Not really feel like a lot of stress. No Elden Ring. Um, so yeah, this it's yeah, it was a fun game for me. Find out stressful. That's weird. On oh, occasion. 
depends you guys on what want boss me to play fighting. a stressful game? Uh, well, I shouldn't have said anything. All right. <laughs> Let's move on and talk real quick about uh, panels now that everybody's had a chance to talk about games. Um, panels that stood out to anybody, and uh, I guess we'll just continue around the same circle. Caleb, if you want to start first. Me first every time. Do you want me to move? Uh, I'll, I'll move it. Jake, you start. Yeah. You start. Yeah. There was a panel that ProZD was at. It was okay. I really like ProZD. He's a funny guy. The panel was kind of whatever. It was like design your own board game. Uh, and it, it, quite, it involved a lot of audience participation. And if you've ever been to PAX, uh, the words audience participation should send a shiver, a shiver down your spine. <laughs> uh, because the audience at PAX is awful. They are all mm-hmm. idiots. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them. Uh, my favorite <laughs> moment, uh, they were talking about like... Uh, like mechanics to include in the game. And this one guy with timers. That was his mechanic. Was timers? Timers. timers. Wow, and I was like, yeah, dude, more timers. Put timers in this board game. We need more timers. timers so it's going to be a great game. Mm-hmm. Actually, they are actually going to build it. They say they're going to actually build it. Yeah, this, I they guess have I a them. schedule set up to create the game. We'll see, I guess. What was are, it, what are there going to the be timers in it? On? There are not. They decided not to go with timers somehow. Uh, bummer. Uh, what was it? It was something where the S was a dollar sign, but I can't remember now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Was it Shell Company? Shell was Company, that what they that's were it. With? And then I had a, had a subtitle, but I don't remember what that was either. I don't remember either. It, it's a game about turtles avoiding doing their taxes and also a dating sim. Yeah. Oh, I love Shell that. Shell Company. Okay. Shell company. Get if it, I learned anything like about board game pitches, company. you gotta throw a dating sim in it. It's Correct. true. That yeah. was big this year. Very mm-hmm. big. And yeah. timer. Uh, Timer's why don't we? <laughs> <laughs> why don't we talk about that wonderful uh, picture board game panel that we went to? Take it away. Sure, take it away. I, I mean, I I feel like uh, Aaron had uh, his favorite. Uh, which was this wonderful pitch that this person had about uh, you? You play as a sexy ghost, and we cannot, you know, overemphasize the amount of how sexy this ghost is. But you are a sexy ghost in the rooms with other sexy ghosts. Mm-hmm. And you, here's the dating sim part: you have to either date one of the other sexy ghosts or finish your lifelong dream to make the best batch of whiskey possible. Because at the end of the day, there's just so many fine spirits. Mm. It delivered so was, well. I mm. thought it was a stupid pitch, and I loved every second of it. Uh, I really liked it. I appreciated it. The panel, um, by the way, for anybody who's listening, was very different than the pitch-your-own-video-game panel in 60 seconds, like we've mm-hmm. seen in years past. In, that, in years past, the panels have um, been very much comedic, and not realistic, hence it's, games like The Littlest Man or Burn Baby Burn <laughs> or uh, Three Way Octopus Battle. Yeah, like they're they're not meant like for like real games. Mm-hmm. This panel we went to expecting the same thing out of board games turned out to be like a legit. All right, offer up your thing. We have a panelist. We have five panelists. Three of them are developers. Uh, one of them is a publisher, and one of them is I don't know what he was. Maybe he was also a publisher. Oh. But it was really good, actually. They, uh, they were, I mean, it was very serious. Yeah. 
And we, you have, like, typical PAX audience. You have half who are just kind of, like, making stuff up on the fly or whatever. And then you have the other half who have been working on this board game idea for, like, the last six years. And they come to PAX and they present it as an actual concept. Mm-hmm. They've got, like, and then a little people... notebook with all their notes. Yes. And they're, like, oh, looking yeah. through. I'm like, oh, wow, you, you really ready for this, huh? <laughs> they're, they're trying. They were like, the one guy, they were like, how many cards are in it? And he's like, uh, there's like approximately 104 cards. Yeah, exactly 104 cards in the game. <laughs> Including the rules, it was 104 cards, which I was like, wow. And that I think actually that was the most unique thing, is that the panel took everything serious. It didn't even matter what it was. It could be an idea that had very little substance to an idea that was almost fully fleshed out. And they would take that and they would run with it. And they would say, all right, like... Uh, if you're talking about dungeon delving, you really got to think about the implications of doing this for various cultures because raiding tombs or, or places of heritage could be like very concerning. Another one would be like, well, how long is the explanation for it? What's the duration for the rule book? Is it multiple pages? Five pages seems too long for a 15-minute board game. There's a lot of like actual input into the people who were presenting, which I really liked, but also I was kind of sad that it wasn't like the uh, video game yeah. mm-hmm. version. They were, were surprisingly no nice to even the terrible ideas. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. most people would yeah. have been a lot mean. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Uh, Jake, was that your only panel? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I went to those <laughs> two. I didn't even really remember the board game one, so. Okay. Okay. Owen, any good panels from you? Uh, I went to the Legend of Zelda panel, which was sharing their... Uh, I think it was like the top 36 moments for the 36 years of Legend of Zelda, which I was all on board because I was like, I don't know who these panelists are, but they're going to talk about their favorite moments in Legend of Zelda history. Sure. Why not? Like, I'm watching through it. And then, like, they get about two thirds of the way in. and They're like, all right, we've got our last eight. And now we want to hear from you. Uh, what do you guys want to say is like the best moments from the Legend of Zelda? And I walked out of the panel at that point. I was like, nope. Uh, I do not give a fuck what other like these people are obviously like YouTubers or somebody of note that has some um official capacity to talk about this. But like I a wanted to get the fuck out of there because I was like, there's no way this is gonna end well. The first person was talking about uh, uh, the cuckoos, like the chickens in uh, in uh, Ocarina of Time, and I was like, not not like attacking the chickens. He was just talking about the chickens and how great they were and how cool it was to like watch them walk around. And I was like, this is not a good moment. I <laughs> cannot fathom the fact that they're taking this seriously right now. Um, also, that was the moment that I realized I ripped a giant hole in my pants that evening. Um, and so I was like, I probably should just go home. Moral of the story, <laughs> on, don't wear on, too tight of pants. On mm-hmm. so many reasons, pants. I was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> That's not the moral of the story. <laughs> That's what I took away. Yeah. Um, the G4 panel was actually really cool. That was neat to see them just kind of celebrate and talk about g4 and interact with their fans and like i'm not that into the g4 like lexicon of things i didn't know half the people there i just know x play because that's what i used to watch back when i was a kid but it was cool to see them talking about the network and what they're up to now and all of the different shows and stuff they're doing and i'm like cool this is neat i actually like this seems like a normal panel at a normal pax that people enjoy so i was like awesome was uh olivia munn one of the presenters 
No, Olivia Munn wasn't there, neither was Adam Savage or Morgan Webb. So I was just completely out of my depth of who any of these fuckers were. <laughs> I doubt any of them are still a G4, yeah? Yeah, I'm uh, sure they're Adam not. Savage is, he, uh, but yeah, Olivia Munn's not there, and uh, I don't think... I don't know what the deal with Morgan Webb is. I haven't heard anything, but I don't think she's currently there, at least. So Olivia Munn is like an actual actress now. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's having John Mulaney's baby. She had John Mulaney's baby. Yes. That happened. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a weird way to say that. <laughs> yeah. It is a I weird just, way to say that. I just like knew that she was pregnant. Was it transactional? I, like <laughs> he paid her and she had his baby. I don't know. It was. It was. It was a little bit like that. They kind of. It was. Look, I'm not going to get into the celebrity gossip of the entire thing between Olivia Munn and uh, John Mulaney, but it's not, it's it's a little weird. It's a little weird. There's a reason why he then got divorced and like dated her real quick and then stopped dating her. And it is odd. Anyway. All right. Sorry, I asked. <laughs> Alex, panels. Panels. Uh, we went to the Gearbox main theater panel. It was, to quote Owen, fine. <laughs> did, what did they even talk about? They, so it was, it was kind of interesting if you're into like how video game developers work behind the scenes because they talked a lot about like how their company's expanding, and how they're really pushing into publishing, and how they've created a new like sector of Gearbox for Gearbox Studios, which is working on like things outside of video games. And they showed like a bunch of trailers for like developers that are publishing with them and that kind of thing. Randy um, Pitchford had a magic thing that he did. Yeah, he did a magic trick on stage. It took like twenty minutes. It was so long. <laughs> was it a good trick? It's it's good. I mean, yeah. he pulled it off. It worked. He did like a like a. I'm gonna guess which character from Wonderlands you're gonna pick. And then like they picked characters, and he was like, "You're this one," and they were like, "No." And he's like, dang, I'm so bad at this. And then he was like, but am I? And then he revealed like a chalkboard that he had written down what they were already before wow. they even came up or something. It was so they know. were just like plants. Yeah, they weren't plants because to prove that they weren't plants, he mm. threw uh, inflatable D20s into the crowd and they just bounced around until they cut off the music. And then whoever had it came up. So <laughs> still could be plant. Anytime be, you're could like, be a plant. Let me prove that it's not a plant. I'm like, mm, yeah, it's a plant. Could uh -huh. be a plant. Like a plant. I don't know. That'd be very hard to influence the crowd to still give it, it to your plant. You know, I think everyone. But all three of them at the same time. Oh, they had multiple balls out simultaneously. Yeah, because there's multiple no, people. They had a lot of plants. It was just. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They it's just, just the, filled the crowd with so yeah. many plants. It's just the Truman Show. You, Derek, and I were just like the only actually real yeah. live audience yeah. members there. Everyone else and is made a sure plant. we didn't get it. Uh, Correct. All for this one magic trick mm -hmm. <laughs> for us, for the three of us. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it was. It was kind of cool from like a being interested in watching like magic. corporate <laughs> video game talk. I don't. I know, like a lot of people aren't in that stuff, but I kind of am. Um, they did. They did talk a little bit about their studio work too, where they're making the Borderlands movie. That was kind of neat. Like yeah. talking about like how they're Gearbox expanding Studios. to do other things and really 
gaining a lot of uh, various studios around the world in different countries that are working on all their own projects. It was, yeah. pr- it was pretty cool. And I actually didn't realize that they're like pushing to become like a major publisher also and not just publish their own stuff, but like get a bunch of indie devs in there to publish their games too. And they're like, we want to be like the friendliest developer publisher ever. Like we, we want to help you so much. Sure. All these other companies, they just want your money. We want you to succeed. So that we, we can have your money. So much. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. Um, the other one, the only other one I think that we haven't talked about that I went to was the uh, No Regrets Game Achievements We Do Over Again mm. panel. I was going to let Aaron take that one. <laughs> Well, I was going to talk about the worst panel I'd ever been to, but then I was going to list it as the Giant Bomb panel from 2017. Uh, I decided uh, not to do that. How rude. <laughs> hey, Rest that in panel peace, had Giant some Bomb. Substance. <laughs> like this much? It, 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 uh huh. Yeah. More yeah. than the achievement one. Exactly. Man. Someone please talk about it. Yeah, go. The, yeah. You want to go, Aaron? Yeah, I'll go. We went to this panel when you, I don't have the description in front of me. It doesn't even matter. I don't even want to really want to talk about this panel because it was so bad. But the (laughs) description was like, here are the really most complicated achievements you can do in in video games. Uh, There's one guy in the audience who knows just one achievement that nobody's ever been able to do before, yada, yada, yada. We walk in the panel, four guys sitting up on the stage. The first guy goes, yeah, so we don't really like achievements, um, and so we're not going to talk about achievements, really. We're just going to we're gonna reminisce about our time in, in video games, like the first video game experience we really had that sold us on video games. Uh, and that's what we're going to make the panel about. Also, when we're done with this, like when we get towards the end, like 10 minutes into this panel, we're going to start talking about all the things that our development companies are working on. We'll maybe show some trailers for things that we're building, uh, because I know that's why you guys are really here. Meanwhile... I have no idea who these people are. I've never heard of the development company. I've never played any of their games. Postal? Is that what it's called, Alex? Yeah, yeah they make Postal. Okay. Whatever. I don't know anything about them. I will tell you right now, I will never buy a video game from them. <laughs> that was the worst panel experience I've ever had at PAX. That was awful. That's very oh. bad. The fact that the panel was listed to be about something, and then they came in, they were like, we have no notes for how we're going to run this. Also, when we were talking about it, we decided we didn't like the idea, so we're just not going to do it. <laughs> I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah, that it right, seems kind of pretty shitty. That right there sold me on the fact that we could have submitted a panel and probably made it. Well, yeah. and the grandma playing Skyrim. Those two things. I didn't see her panel, but I did see her like, and her, like after her panel, and there was just a line of people to go talk to her. Really? So I don't know what was going on on that panel, but apparently it popped the fuck off. <laughs> hey, she's a big it works, works. Celebrity because yeah. she's old and cheap Skyrim. Yeah. Good game choice. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anybody else have any other panels that we need to talk about here? I don't think so. I, I vaguely regret not making it to the Pro ZD Rates Your Anime Waifus and Husbands, but mm-hmm. I can watch it online, <laughs> I guess. I think that probably would have been the best. Actually, yeah, I should have watched it online before this so I could confirm I if should've. it was good or not. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. It was probably. sold out. That's why we didn't go. Mm-hmm. Not sold out, but full. It was full by the time we were trying Lying to, out to there. The, to pitch a video game instead or board game instead, which was uh, it was fine. It's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Okay. Um, other things to note in uh, in Boston, actually, while we're like a experience in and around packs that we should probably talk about. Anybody? I mean, we went to that freaking sick dim sum restaurant. Oh yeah, that was that was, cool. oh, that was a blast. The food was amazing, and it was a it was a fun experience to you know just have a kind of family style dinner. Yeah. What's that place called? We should advertise for them to our three listeners who don't live in we Boston. We should. We should. We should. I don't know. I can tell you. I will know that in find typical it. Owen fashion, he didn't want to go with us, so he was he him, him and uh, Chris were the only ones that sat out while we all had a great time. Yeah, because <laughs> we already ate dinner because we were told <laughs> that you guys had dinner plans already, so we thought you fucked off somewhere in Boston and already ate, <laughs> and so me and him already ate dinner, and then like sure enough, you guys like all come back all of a sudden, and you're like, all right, hey, we're going out, and I was like, oh. Uh well I just, I already paid for money in this evening to eat food and I already ate said money. food so <laughs> I, I I was I was like I I guess I'm just gonna chill here. It was called East Ocean Seafood Restaurant. Oh. I knew it had seafood in the name because yeah. we got there and we had zero. Food. We had no seafood. Yeah, we, Not yeah, a we ordered bite. no seafood dishes. Also, no one who went had any experience with eating at a dim sum restaurant at all. Yeah. The, guys the menu were... was very hard to, to process. Nobody mm-hmm. knew what we were doing. It was a very big menu. But when we finally I mean... got the guy over, he was very helpful. He was. He was. Yeah. That was the best thing we did, was call him over to give us a Oh, well, yeah, because rundown. he eventually told us, just order this chicken thing. You'll love it. And we're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I guess. <laughs> and it was amazing. It was. <laughs> I think uh, pretty much everything we got, I thought was delicious. Everything mm-hmm. we got was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was interesting that the total bill was like a hundred and maybe thirty dollars, including yeah, tax was, and tips. So much for what food. nine people? Yeah, for, yeah, nine people. It was, it was insane, insane amount of food. Meanwhile, the, the money we paid. Meanwhile, Alex and I went to a restaurant on Saturday for lunch to get a lobster roll, and while we're sitting there, I don't remember who it was. It was either you or Derek saw this giant seafood tower go past us and you were like yeah we're getting one of those on the menu by the way it just says Listen, market sounds like either one of you really so i already wanted to order it before i saw it go by uh-huh <laughs> yeah was uh-huh. it was it market price and then you start crying it was market price what? it market it was market price <laughs> yeah it was 150 dollars of market price 150 dollars for that seafood tower <laughs> was it worth it it was, it was our dope. appetizer, and it was more expensive than our entire dim sum meal that, that fed all of us. Uh, oh it was God. very good. I don't know that it was worth $150, but it was very, very good. probably wasn't worth $150, but it was still very good. It's worth it one time, maybe, just yeah. to like have the experience. The experience. Mm-hmm. You know, we said that once before about the $38 lobster roll that we bought at Neptune Oyster, and yet... And then you keep going back. That's more like a one-time-a-year thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Oh, so yeah, update it. It rules that out the seafood tower because we only go to Boston. I don't know, once a year. Once a year. Mm. Yeah. I probably wouldn't do the seafood tower again. Uh-huh. That's like I once every other year. Maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it. Cool, cool, cool. Also, the cool, cool. uh, we got lobster rolls there, and I didn't think they were as good as the other place. So, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they were not. Here. They were not Neptune Oyster for sure. Although that place has been rated as the best uh, lobster roll in Boston for uh, years. It's felt like we should try something new, you know. Oh well, yeah. big mistake. Yeah, yeah. You you make good decisions Rookie sometimes, mistake. and you make bad decisions sometimes. And we invited Owen again this year, and it just here we are. 
<laughs> yeah, that was honestly rookie mistake. Although I will say I didn't keep half the people in the house awake uh, every night. So yeah, that was the guy you brought. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Cassie invited him. I did not. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's good. That's I good. Wait, it's your friend though, yeah. That was Cassie. I met Chris <laughs> once at a wedding. Well, Chris is and, awesome. He can come yeah, back. he's great. He's great. Yeah, Chris yeah, is he met Chris once Alex, at a wedding. Though. Yeah, he and Alex can sleep in their own room. I, I, I met yeah. him once at a wedding because it was my friend's wedding. So like, we're friends with the same person. And wow. I like we were pl- all three of us were playing Halo, and then we joined Cassie, and then Cassie was like, "All of you guys should come to uh, Boston." And Chris was the only one that took her uh, her up on that option. Huh. But I That's would just like less... to point out, did not invite him because I was like, <laughs> I don't know this dude. It could be really bad. And then he kept Jacob, and I felt really bad about that. And I was like, <laughs> was well, fine. I, well, I, I was it me. Up, I did sure. do myself up one night. Yeah. You did <laughs> look oh, at everybody boy. and say, you know, if I drink any more rum, I'm probably going to throw up. And then you proceeded to drink a lot more rum. Look, yeah. yeah, I'm a scientist. I, I make hypothesis. <laughs> I test it. <laughs> And I was correct. <laughs> Holy crap. This is proven. Much to your own dismay. Yes. Well, uh, if you have never been to PAX East and you are listening to this podcast, you should go next year. Not with our group because you won't get any sleep. There's uh, <laughs> you know, like a couple snorers. Just saying. I keep you awake. You got to wear some noise-canceling headphones. It'll help you. Alex, why are you shaking your head? I'm not. I'm not talking specifically about you. Okay. Yeah. I literally yeah. slept with noise canceling headphones on <laughs> over, over ear cups. I, I I loved that I like woke up in the mm-hmm. light and turned to Jake, and Jake had his like over the ears yeah. on, trying to fall asleep. Wow. And I was like, they really, they really. Wait, those, out are those nice. the same ones that yeah. you have? Yeah, I think we have the same pair. They're good. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah, I mean, I slept. <laughs> After I put them on, I'll sleep. <laughs> Drinking a lot every night also helps because then you just yeah. crash. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't, that, that... as the case might be. <laughs> <laughs> or you crash in a different way, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> crash into birth. the toilet. I still can't mm-hmm. believe that Brock, sleeping like 15 feet <laughs> away from that bathroom door, was like, no wait, idea. you were up? <laughs> it's cool. It was only until like four in the morning. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Either way, if you want to go to PAX, make sure you bring some noise-canceling headphones. You should show up next year. That way we can continue to bring back people to PAX, continue to bring back devs and panels. It's a really fun time. Boston's a really cool city. Um, Trust me, you would enjoy it. Alex and I have been going for... I guess the multiples of us have been going for like nine years. Alex and I have been going for ten now. So, absolute blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're old now. We are very old. old. Super duper old. And irrelevant. Just, anyway, okay. Speaking of us being old, real quick, what? the the ten <laughs> years ago subreddit the other day posted that the Avengers movie is ten years old. Is it? And I was really? like, dude, what? That's crazy. And then also, I was Dang. on the twenty years ago subreddit, and the first oh, Spider Man movie is twenty years old. And I was like, like the Tobey uh, Maguire one. The Toby, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's aged well. It's ridiculous. Avengers though, Avengers being a decade old is crazy to me. That's pretty nuts. Is that all you had to say about that? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) We can end the podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, tune back in two weeks. We'll have a normal podcast where it's not short and we talk about a lot more games. Oh, wait, we talked about a lot of games this time. So whatever. It'll be similar. Anyways, 
Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See ya. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Jake John Fetterkyle, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. You can also check out our new series, The Discordant Signal, a multi-arc Starfinder adventure, live on Twitch every Monday at 8 p.m. and then out on YouTube and whatever podcasting app you are using at 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Again, thanks so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time.